Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. So, Mara, it is a big week on Bold and the Beautiful. The show will turn 35 on March 23rd, and they have a lot of fun plans to mark the occasion. So, first of all, I want to share that I saw the first episode of B&B in my dorm room at Syracuse. It premiered during my second semester there as a freshman. I had been a big Capital fan, probably because Deborah Adair played a character named Sloan. So I don't know that I welcomed its replacement with open arms, but let me tell you, I was hooked from the get-go. I love that it takes place in a real city, Los Angeles, and that the initial focus was on the fashion houses and the fashion shows that they did. Um, I loved all the times they've gone around the world. I am obviously still tuning in today, of course, and I'm very excited for what's to come next week. So on March 24th, we will see a special Brooke-centric episode, which will bring back Jack Wagner as Nick and Windsor Harmon as Thorne, and will also feature Eric, Ridge, and Bill, the latter of which makes me really happy because Don Diamant has barely been on screen in 2022. But just generally, I love when shows do something special to mark milestones. Oh, absolutely. And I can't believe our little baby soap, the youngest one on the air, is turning 35. (laughs) I started watching the show in 1989, I believe when I was 12, and it was Brooke that was the draw for me. I was totally Team Brooke in the Brooke Ridge Caroline Triangle that dominated the show in its early years, and I've just always had a soft spot for the, the character and for her awesome portrayer, Catherine Kelly Lang. Brooke's love life and her often messy romantic choices have driven so many storylines on the show over the years, and I think a Brooke-centric episode is the perfect way to celebrate. After all, it's not just B&B's 35th anniversary, it's Catherine Kelly Langs as well. So a big happy anniversary to her and also to her fellow original cast member, John McCook, aka Eric. It's pretty remarkable that they are the only two remaining original cast members, not just on B&B, but on any of the four shows still on the air. Uh, and B&B fans will find a lot of great anniversary goodies in the new issue, including interviews with Jack Wagner and Windsor Harmon about their returns. But may I ask you, Stephanie, who is your favorite non-Ridge pairing of Brooks? Oh, Brill all the way. I am all about Bill and Brooke. I felt he was her strongest romantic rival to Ridge. And, you know, first of all, Don as Bill brings such like a gravitas to the canvas and is a really solid character. I feel you don't see a lot of characters like him on other shows. Um, And you know, like other than the awkwardness of him being involved with Brooke's sister, Katie, Bill makes the most sense to me as a partner for her. Um, But it's funny how divisive the character of Brooke is. You know, I see in the emails to our sound off inbox that whenever Brooke is in a vulnerable spot as she is now, and Catherine Kelly Lang is doing such an amazing job with the material she's been given. um, But a lot of the readers are quick to point out how many shady things Brooke has done in her past and how she doesn't deserve sympathy and is a hypocrite. Uh, You know, I don't know. It doesn't bother me too much. I just like watching her journey and seeing what's next. Now, who is your non-ridge fave? Well, not that I would advocate for them to reconcile at this point, but I thought that Brooke's romance with Eric back in the early 1990s was just lovely. 
I, I feel like falling in love with Brooke really reinvigorated Eric and opened up a lot of possibilities for him as a romantic leading man that the show certainly went on to mine over the years. Uh, but I remember feeling like it unfolded in a really organic way on the, the, the heels of Ridge choosing Caroline over Brooke and marrying her. This was back when the show was new enough that characters like Brooke and Eric had only slept with one member of each other's family <laughs> as opposed to, you know, every uncle, cousin, son in the family line. Uh, but I thought that they were very romantic and sweet, if not meant to be in the long run. And their relationship also had big consequences for the show in terms of producing Rick and Bridget. And without Bridget, Brooke would never have gone on to share multiple lovers with her own daughter or given birth to her son-in-law's daughter, Hope. And what could be more being be than that. Uh, truly nothing. I mean, <laughs> B&B has so many complicated family dynamics. I mean, as do all the shows, but to your point, because the cast is so much smaller, so is the dating pool, and they managed to pull it off like no other show can. And also, teaser, I know there are big things planned for the weeks ahead. There have been some spoilers that the show will change forever. I know what's coming, and I will say it is for sure a tune-in. Um, you know, I think it's great to see the show have something like this to celebrate, and here is to 35 more. Now, our guest today is a relative newcomer to Soaps, uh, especially talking about 35 years. It's Raven Bowens, who plays Days of Our Lives' is Chanel and is definitely in the thick of things in Salem. So let's get her on the line and see how she's doing. Hi, Raven. Hi. How you doing? I am good. I'm good. How are you? Good. And Mara and I are so happy to talk to you today. You have so much going on, um, and we are just going to get right into it. Um, so first of all, you were born and raised in San Diego. Tell us about your childhood. Yeah, so I grew up, uh, so I was born in San Diego, like you said, and then uh, my mother was married to a, she married a uh, professional baseball player. And so we moved all around the United States. So I lived for the first seven years of my life. I lived almost everywhere because he had a temper and got traded a lot. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so we, we moved all over. And so I had the, I kind of had a very, uh, very diverse American experience for the first seven years of my life. And then when they separated, I spent the rest of my uh, growing up in San Diego. And then my dad lives in Vegas and he's lived there since I was about six. So I spent a lot of summers or I spent every break in Vegas. And then um, my grandmother lived in Texas. So I spent every summer in Texas. So, kind of all over the place. And <laughs> the ground home base was San Diego. That's so look, looking back on your developmental years, how do you feel like you discovered your interest in the arts? Yeah, you know, uh, well, my mom, after she separated from my stepfather, she was a single mom and she worked really late. So she would work until, you know, six, she'd pick us up from school at around six. And so we were in after school programs, my brother and I. And uh, so you had to do something. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, once you were done with your homework. So uh, that's kind of when I started playing around with stuff like that. But I was really, when I was five, I remember getting my first karaoke machine and, you know, trying to be Mariah Carey and uh, just always singing. And then um, people shut those dreams down pretty quickly. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't be a singer. What else can I do? <laughs> <laughs> so then I started dancing and cheerleading and ice skating and it took me kind of a while to get over to to get over to acting uh but finally when I figured that out I was like oh I can still be a performer and you know I don't have to know how to sing so <laughs> that's kind of a journey um now your late grandmother Pearly was also a performer as I understand it so tell us a little about the influence she had on your decision to pursue a performing career yeah she uh was a singer actually uh so she she sung and um she worked for the musicians union uh when she was younger and then she had a lot of children she had six children and so she ended up focusing more on, you know, being a mother and like making a more, uh, what would you say, maybe reliable living or something. <laughs> um, and uh, so she kind of stopped all that. And, but she, 
kept, um, she loved that I did it. And she, when she was probably 80 or something, she, uh, so my mom has always had this dream of being in a commercial and she's always like, I want to do a commercial. (laughs) And, um, so there was a casting that came out and they wanted a mom, a daughter and a granddaughter. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect for us. And so we got the audition and they drove up from San Diego and my grandma, she's sitting in the uh, waiting room. And I said, grandma, are you nervous? And she said, Oh no. I've, I've done this before. <laughs> so, okay, grandma. And <laughs> so we go in the room, we do the audition. And while we're, uh, m- my grandma freezes and <laughs> she's Miss personality all the time, always talking mess. You know, she's a wild lady, but we get in the room and she just, her whole personality is gone. And me and my mom are looking and she's acting like she has Alzheimer's. And, <laughs> Me and my mom are looking at her like, who are you? Like, you are not the same lady who was just sitting in the, the waiting room. And they were asking her, like, she, and she, every question they asked her, she would look to my mom for the answer. Oh. And then my mom would be like, yeah, and like ate her in it. And she'd be like, yeah. so then we came out my mom said uh, said, grandma what happened and she said oh I don't know my mom said were you nervous and she said um she said you know maybe a little and my mom my mom was like you blew my chances at Hollywood (laughs) (laughs) so uh, about about a week later or a few days later they called they said hey um you know we wanted to do a callback, but just for you and your mom, not your grandma. Oh, wow. Oh no. oh, no. So I told my mom, and my mom was like, oh, no, how are we going to tell grandma? How are we going to tell her? And I was like, I don't know. And so then my mom's like, okay, I'll, I'll tell her. I'll tell her. So my mom tells her, hey, like, you know, so, we, um, you know, they called Raven. They said they that we have a callback. And my grandma's like, I knew it. I had such a good feeling. And she said, oh, no. <laughs> So, no, 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 but it's for, it, it's just me. They just want to see me and Raven. They, they changed it. They, they wanted to be a mother daughter. They, they didn't want the grandmother anymore. She said, Oh, well, okay. <laughs> but then on my mom, my mom starts driving up and then they ended up canceling the whole thing. So oh. we, we never even went, but it was, it was really funny. <laughs> Love that. Justice for your mom being in a commercial. I know. I know. Working on it. We're working on it. (laughs) Uh, So uh, your grandparents actually owned a modeling agency in Las Vegas. And after you graduated from high school, you shared with them that you were kind of interested in being in front of the camera yourself. So tell us about how they ultimately helped you get a foothold into the business. Yes. So that is, um, that's a different, uh, that those are my step grandparents. Um, so they're on like the other side. Um, but yes, they were very, very, very involved and, and helped me get my start, uh, in a big way. Um, because the whole trajectory of everything that has happened for me, uh, is with gratitude because to them, because if not for them, my path would have been very different and probably a lot harder. Uh, but my, so my grandmother, she, uh, does the, she does a lot of pageants and and things like that. And so she had, she was Miss St. Louis, I believe. And so then they, they moved out to Vegas. They started their agency there and they kind of did some, they taught a little acting, modeling, runway walks and things, things of that sort. And then my grandfather, he takes all the photos. And, uh, so he took my first, once I said I was interested, uh, then he took my first photos and then, uh, she took me to a big event that they do in Vegas where you get to perform a monologue and walk a runway. And then there's a ton of agents there. And then afterwards they say, okay, they they put up a list of who they want to meet with. And then you go around and have these agent meetings and it's a really expensive event and I was just able to go because I was her granddaughter. And so I, uh, yeah, so I, I learned, I've had to learn what a monologue was. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then uh, I went and did that. And, uh, and I met a bunch of agents afterwards. And one of them was the one that geared me in the direction. Well, all of them were like, you need to move to LA if this is what you want to do. And I said, okay. And then um, one of them, she like, encouraged me. She was like, yeah, move to LA. Here's a list of different acting classes you can get in, you know, and kind of guided me. And ultimately she didn't end up representing me. Uh, but because of her meeting, I got involved in the acting class I got in, which led to me going to the agency I did go to and just like the whole start of, of everything for me. Well, you did move to Los Angeles. So what was your entry to LA like and how did you make ends meet when you were starting out? <laughs> so funny. It's funny because I didn't really plan it. I didn't No, not even didn't really. I didn't plan it at all. It was something that was in the back of my head. And then uh, my, my, one of my friends and like two of my really close friends were moving here and I, um, I came here to help them move. And while I was here helping them move, I was like, mm, I like it. I want to move here. And, and then I was, and then I started thinking, I was like, okay, what is holding me back? What's keeping me in San Diego? And the list was pretty short. And so I just kind of, and at the time I had just started college and I was going to San Diego state and I said, well, I have school, but then there's, there's other, you know, state schools here. So I, I went to one of the state schools here is Dominguez Hills. I went there and I went to, cause no one was answering the phone. So I went there and I asked where the Dean's office was. And then they told me, and he wasn't there. So I waited in front of his office until he came back from lunch. And then I said, Hey, I just wanted to talk to you about me transferring here. Can I? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Uh, he's like, well, what is your situation? And I was like, I go to already a state school and this is my GPA. And, and so he goes, he's like, okay, yeah, I don't see why not. <laughs> so I just called my mom and was like, Hey mom, I'm moving to LA. And she's like, okay, when? And I was like, tomorrow. And she's like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. She's like, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I'm going to have a going away party tonight. And then she said, no, you're not. And I said, Sam. And then I threw a going away party and she thought it was a joke. And then the next day I moved. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Didn't save any money. Oh, but the other crazy thing, like it, it was one of those stars aligning because the other thing that had happened during the two days I was here, besides me going to over to the school, I was with the girls and they were looking for a job because they had already planned to move here. So they were like, go in a Jamba Juice and foot action. And like, there was a shopping center. And so I walked off by myself to, to get something. And while I was walking, someone pulled up to me in the car and he goes, are you looking for a job? <laughs> and I was like, this is weird. And I was like, and, and I just kind of kept walking. He said, no, 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 not, not like that. Not like that. Just, um, he's like, it's working with kids. And I was like, doing what? <laughs> he goes he's like you know it's tutoring I'm, I'm he's like you look like you're about college age and he was like are you in college and I was like yeah and he's like yeah and he's like I work he's like I work with these kids at this after school program in South Central and it's really hard to find staff <laughs> and so he's like you know and I saw you and you seem like you would be perfect and I said well I don't live here but my friends just moved here and they're looking for a job can you meet me across the street? And he goes, okay. <laughs> so we go over there and he talks to all of us. And it turned out the next day they were having a, uh, a training session at Cal State LA. And so we were like, okay, that sounds legit. Doesn't sound like he's going to kidnap us at Cal State LA. So, <laughs> so we're like, let's just go. And it was CPR training, whatever. And I was like, well, I'll do it. Cause who knows? Maybe I'll need CPR training. So <laughs> we all went. And then that was how everybody got jobs. <laughs> wow. Now you have a special skill on your resume too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Avoiding kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So one of your very first roles was for Savannah Peters on the web series, Mr. Student Body President. Tell us about uh, getting cast in that project. So I originally went in and I was working, I was working at a restaurant and I went right before my shift, but there was such a long line that um, there was such a long line that I was like, oh, maybe I have to go to work and come back. I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it work without losing my job. And then 
I ended up waiting and going in to do the audition. But then when I auditioned, I was really, really bad. I was very nervous. I was just like messing up. And it was, it was not good. It was a bad audition. And I left and I felt so bad. I went to work, got in trouble because I was late. <gasps> and I kept thinking about it all day. And I was like, you know what? There were so many people there. I could probably go in again and they wouldn't even notice. And <laughs> so after I got off of work, I went home and then I put on, changed my outfit. And I went back again and I auditioned again and um I was like, did I do the same role I I don't remember if I did the same the same because they were looking for a bunch of different roles because it was a high school show and all the character descriptions none of them were specific to like type of what they wanted so I don't remember if I read the same role or a different role but I know that I went back in a new costume and I auditioned again and then uh and then I ended up um, yeah. And then I ended up booking, I might've had to have a, I might've done a callback. I can't remember if I did a callback or not, but I definitely went twice that day and then eventually booked one of them. <laughs> and then the role, Oh, you know what it was? It was, I, w I went in, I read, I was really bad. And then I changed my outfit, went again. And then the role that, and I read a different role, but then the role that they cast me for was the one that I had went in the first time that I was bad. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's really <laughs> meant to be then. So in 2017, you starred in the BET miniseries, The New Edition Story, playing Tisha Bivens, the wife of Michael Bivens. Now, you really look like her. So tell us your casting story for that project. So I had been in quite a few times to the casting office, is uh, Kim Coleman's casting office, and Michelle uh, was the associate there and she recognized me from coming in often, but she couldn't remember my last name. This, this is a story she told me. And so she was like, there's a girl that looks exactly like her that comes in here and I cannot think of her last name. And she's like, her name is Raven. So she said she was going through all the stuff, trying to find me, trying to find me. And then Eventually she did. And then when I got the cat, when I got the, so it came as an audition. When I got the breakdown, uh, the breakdown, I looked her up immediately because I knew these were real people. And then I was like, oh, we look just like, <laughs> I, was like okay. I was like, this is good. So, uh, I went in, did the audition. And then, uh, after I, uh, when, when I got there, she told me the story about how she'd been looking for me because she thought I was perfect. And she was like, look at this. And she had her picture. She's like, it looks just like you. <laughs> and I know. And so, um, we did it. And then, yeah, later when I ended up getting cast, uh, the actual Tisha ended up reaching out to me and telling me how honored she felt and happy and I could call her for anything. And, you know, when I called her, I just to like kind of figure out, just interview her pretty much so that I could prepare. She told me that, um, that her husband picked me. She said he saw me and he was like, Oh no, that that's her. Uh. And then, and then she said that she was happy. That, that I was <laughs> And it was, it was really, uh, it was such a great experience because they were so, um, they were so happy to be having their story told and they have such like what they've done and their, their story is really extraordinary. So, um, it was very, it was my first time doing a biopic and just like realizing how, uh, how tender you have to be when you're t like reenacting someone's real life and like how the tiny things are important to them because, you know, film is forever. And so, and this is like some, they've, they've invested 20 years and 30 years into their career. And now they're having the opportunity to have this, this film made. So every, every detail was, was really important to them. And to this day, uh, she and I are, we're still, we're still really close and we became really close throughout the process. And I would let her know cause she wasn't on set. She lives in New York. And so she would, I would be like, Oh yeah, this is what's going on here. And this is what they, she's like, let me see what they had you wear. <laughs> like she wanted to know everything. Make sure they do your hair like this. You know? So it was, it was really, really, uh, fun. 
Well, I watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it. So. <laughs> Isn't it so fun? And my it mom is. was such a big fan of, of new additions as well. So I got to bring her when they got their star on Hollywood and take her to the party after. Oh, that's and great. got to meet all of them and take pictures with them. And I let her, because my mom is, she's she's a she's a lot but <laughs> but I let her be a lot because usually I'm like mom sit down and don't touch anything <laughs> it's kind of our relationship but I was like you know what this is her like childhood teenage like fandom I'm gonna let her like how many times is she gonna get this opportunity so, right. and I, I've gotten her tickets to go to the shows when they go to San Diego and yeah she just got to live her best life <laughs> That's so cute. I read an interview with you where you said she was like a full groupie and you grew up listening to her concert stories. So that's such a full circle. Yep. Amazing thing. <laughs> um, and what was, uh, you know, your experience with the cast members on the miniseries? I know that Rashir Gray from Empire played uh, Michael Bivens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. So we were married, <laughs> um, and and then there was. It, it's so interesting too because all of the guys they blossomed so much after they did that miniseries. It was like they were all kind of on the verge, and then I feel like that kind of took it over the top for them. And they all just like because you had Woody McLean who. Uh, is now the star of a show on stars and then Keith Powers he's starred in a couple of, of different um, things since then and uh, uh, what is his name that I'm not thinking of Al, um, Algae Algae is now one of the stars of Euphoria so they all just kind of they all blossom but uh, the first day I remember being on set and they had kind of been in a boys boot camp because they had to learn all the dances and all that. And then this was the day that all the wives came <laughs> and they were so excited because they had not seen women <laughs> in weeks. And they were just, they were so nice. They were so sweet. And they were just so happy that we were there and that they could talk to someone who wasn't a man. <laughs> so, ladies. Yeah, it was, it was a really, uh, it was really funny because it's like, oh, that's why they're so happy. <laughs> Um, well, the next year you got to be in yet another biopic. This was the life story of Simone Biles, and you played one of her sisters in the Lifetime movie about her life. So tell us about that project. Yeah, so when we did Simone Biles, we shot it in Canada, in Vancouver, my first time, uh, my first time going, I think that was my first time going out of the country ever in life. And, uh, and it was also my mom's and my mom and my grandmother both got their passports so that they could come out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so as soon as I booked the job and I saw my mom was in Canada, she went and got expedited passports so that they could come. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, that, that job was, that was the first time that, that, that was the most money I had made as an actor. I remember that. That was the first time I could actually like really pay my bills. Yes. Um, and so I, I could a little from student body, but this was like a, like, whoa to me. And so, um, so that was, and I was just there for, I think about five weeks. Uh, I met my, who I'm still very close with, Jante Godlock. She played Simone and we, the first night I'm really into astrology. And so the first night I met her, I went, um, I went to her room and cause she had already been there for about a week. And then I got there. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. Just in my room. I said, okay, I'm coming over. So I went to her room and I like did her chart <laughs> and I said, okay. And then I told her about her life and she's like, oh wow. And then, <laughs> and then we bonded and, and I was really excited too, cause I was nervous that she was going to be this 13 year old kid because you know, Simone was so young when she had her accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And so when she wasn't, I was like, okay, thank God. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then I, I saw that, uh, I, before I had gotten there, I saw Tisha Campbell was going to be my, my grandmother essentially. But, um, she, um, is somebody who my mom was also would always watch her movies and her shows. And so I had seen them as well. And I told my mom right away and she was very excited about that. And, uh, and it was, it was a really incredible, I got to meet Simone Biles. 
and her. What was she like? We had dinner together. They they came towards the last week of us filming, I think, and she was not what I expected at all. She was so, but I think now she's like, she's done more media. So we kind of know more so how she is. But at the time I was kind of expecting, um, I don't know, like, you know, sometimes you think of, you don't think of people as just being down to earth or like they'd be, you think they're like, um, like cookie cutter or like super, uh, I don't know, clean cut, cookie cutter. I don't know how to, what exactly what I'm saying, but she really surprised me because she was a lot more, uh, she, she was a lot more like, like us, like me and the girl Jante, like than I expected her to be. She just came and was like, Oh, and she was like <laughs> talking and she was like, yeah. And then this happened and she was telling us the real stories behind. She was like, yeah. And that day I was tired because of this. And she was like telling us all the stories of like what really happened behind the scenes of what she was doing and it was really interesting to see because she was really open and um just like not fake not phony just very down to earth and very uh straight ahead about what she felt what she thought who she was and we had so much fun and she invited us to go out for the uh, olympics the next olympics and but that didn't end up happening because it got uh covid and all of that but it was um it was so so great to meet her and her family and i was sad that her sister didn't make it but at the time her sister had just turned 18 and she was kind of like venturing off into her own life so she wasn't as involved but uh, but meeting Simone that was that was really great. She like still like the uh, a few days ago she DM'd me and was like oh I saw or it was like a couple weeks ago she was like oh I just saw you um, she was like I know I'm late but I just saw you in Insecure and she was like and I was like wait I know her <laughs> I love her you're so late and she was like I know I know. Yeah, I wonder if she has an excuse because she's been kind of busy. I, I, I wonder. <laughs> right. uh, okay, so speaking of insecure, as, as oh, there goes my dog. Um, as you are just like conquering all of these critically acclaimed shows, you appeared in the fourth season of the HBO series Insecure, uh, playing the role of Sharice. So, what was that experience like? Insecure was probably the most fun set I've ever been on. Uh, I was my character was pregnant and um, she was supposed to be kind of annoying. And <laughs> so, um, so I had fun all day because everyone thought I was really pregnant. Uh, for my first day, they all thought I was really pregnant because I just kept eating and walking with my hand on my hip and rubbing my stomach. And then they didn't realize until the end that I wasn't actually pregnant. And they were like, oh, we thought they just passed a pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, method acting, method acting. Yeah. I didn't see Lisa, which I was kind of sad about, but I did uh, do scenes with Yvonne where she and she was at the time I had just moved into my first apartment and I was very um, excited about it and nervous to live alone and all that. And she just was, you know, she she was asking me questions and motivating me and inspiring me and like was really like, you know, just a person. And, you know, she's second in, you know, second on the list there. So she was. Um, yeah, I, I was really uh I felt really welcomed and um, there was the, the food that they had on set was so good. <laughs> <laughs> always, always a plus. Oh my God. They had, you know, the street corn, uh, the Mexican street corn. They had a, a whole station set up where you could take, you have it on or off the cob. And then they had toppings, a whole, but a whole row of toppings. You could put hot Cheetos on the corn. You could put, <laughs> I got Cheeto crumbles. They had so much. Nice. I was like, oh my God. But yeah, it was great. <laughs> well, in 2020, Days of Our Lives was first hunting for the right actress to play the role of Chanel. So had you ever watched soaps or did you have an opinion about whether or not you wanted to be on one? Yeah, I had, I've never watched consistently, but, uh, my aunts and my mom, like they, they would watch a lot when I was a kid. So it was something that was always kind of on and always around me. Um, they were big fans of Young and the Restless. 
one of my aunts was a big fan of Days. Um, and those were kind of like the two main ones. And then I had a, a couple of run-ins with uh, General Hospital uh, or I was up for Trina, the role of Trina. And I went, I went in a couple times for producers, stuff on that one. And then I went for, I don't know what the other role was. Um, and what, I, I don't even know if it happened, but I had went in for another role on general and it was supposed, I was supposed to go test for it, but then it didn't happen. So I don't know what happened there, but, um, but yeah, so I had a couple of run-ins with general hospital. So I, Kind of, and I kind of started feeling like I was probably going to be on a soap, and uh, but I thought it would be general, general hospital. And uh, I never auditioned for days prior to the, this one. Actually, uh, maybe when my sister was graduating from college, I got an audition for days. And then I couldn't make it because I wasn't in town, but you know, they usually go on for a bit when they're auditioning. So I tried to go in the next day, but then they said, Oh, never mind, we canceled the role. And so that role didn't happen, but it was the same audition sides later, like two <laughs> years later when I finally did um did audition for days. But I, I think that I wanted to, I always wanted to do a, a, a soap because my, uh, my acting coach, she always talks about, well, she would always tell us about how they were so, they were so hard to do and how they were great training for actors, uh, especially when you're, when you're at the beginning, because you are going to have to learn so much material. You're going to have to use all of your emotions. And she basically talked a lot about how it was an actor's boot camp, really. And so, I struggled a lot in the beginning of acting with my confidence of what I was capable of, especially emotionally, because in life, I would say I'm, I'm very, I'm very much like, uh, I'm very even, you know, I don't, I don't get moved too much one way or the other for the most part, unless it's something that requires those stakes. But, but for the most part, I'm just kind of like, okay, how do we figure this out? Like, how do we go? I go into problem solver more so than emotion. And so I struggled a lot with getting there as an actor. And I was always like, why can't I cry? Why can't I do this? You know? And so, um, I was like, you know, when you get on and I, I would always see him soaks, they were always doing something dramatic and I'm just, I'm just not, I'm, I'm dramatic in a way, but for the most part, like I'm not, I'm not that dramatic. So I, I didn't know if I could do it. And so it was, I, I knew it would be a challenge for me, but I was, I, I really wanted to, to be challenged in that way as an actor. And, you know, a lot of these jobs that, that I have done, I, I, right before days came along, I remember being frustrated because I felt like I hadn't been challenged that much as an actor outside of acting class. And then I had done the all rise, um, which I got to do a little bit more. Uh, oh, I got to do a lot of emotional work, but I was kind of like, am I ever going to really be able to use the stuff that I'm working on and the stuff I, and do the things I want to do as an actor? Or am I just going to be able to do a job here, a job there that doesn't take that much out of me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I was kind of frustrated because I didn't know if I was going to get that opportunity. And then when days came along, I was, I was really excited because it was, it, it does give you the opportunity to, to use all your muscles and to really, I feel like it is in a lot of ways an actor's kind of playground. Mm -hmm. So you came very close to landing the part when they were first casting it. Um, you were called in to do a chemistry read. Do you remember who you did the chemistry read with? Yeah, with Lamone. Lamone Archie. Mm -hmm. Not so shabby. <laughs> Not at all. Um, so ultimately, you didn't get it, though. Like, would you remember feeling disappointed or was it just kind of like, oh, well, on to the next? Yeah, I was. Um, it's funny because the other day on set, uh, we were talking about chemistry reads and I asked them if they, the some of the actors who have done them, I said, do you guys get to have a say in who they cast? Do they ask your opinion? And they told me yes. And immediately I got mad at Lamone. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, what did he say? <laughs> um, but but um, yes, I was, I was. I was very disappointed because 
I, that day, I remember having the the feeling I was doing my I was doing my little meditation in the morning, and then I did my journaling. And when I started journaling, I got really emotional, and I was like, "Oh my god, I feel like my life is going to change today." I I genuinely felt it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to get this job. This is crazy!" Like I like I just know. And then I went in, did my audition. You know, Albert, I remember Albert being there. Um, and I remember making a joke that he missed. Um, <laughs> I said, uh, I said, he, he said, hi. And I had this mask and my mask was all diamonds. Right. And, um, and he goes, oh, I love your, your mask. And I said, thanks. It's Chanel. And he said, oh, really? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's not Chanel. Get character and get it. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and then, and then I did the audition and they gave me a redirect. And then afterwards, Marnie was, she, through the whole process, Marnie, the casting director, she was so supportive and she had, we had a session beforehand and, and then afterwards when she walked me out, she's like, you know, you're a powerhouse. And she was very uplifting and I felt so great. And then she asked me to wait, wait around a little bit. And then I remember going back, they asked me to come back in cause they wanted to do photos with Lamone. And, um, I remember going back in and then seeing all the girls and I was really surprised because it was during COVID, so you didn't see anyone. They brought you in one at a time. I was surprised at how many girls there was, because usually you do a screen test, it's two, three people. This was maybe like nine people or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So the chances are slimmer than I, than I realized they were coming in. So I see everybody, and we do our pictures. And then after I left, I, I took myself to the Beverly Hills Hotel, and I was like, I'm going to celebrate this. And, you know, and I still felt great. Then, like, day one goes by, I don't hear anything. Day two goes by, I don't hear anything. The weekend goes by. And now I'm like, okay, I didn't get it because I would have heard something within a day or two. It, the long, when they take longer, that means you're further down on the list. So I'm like, okay, I don't think I got it. And then my manager called me and she called by herself, not with my agents. So I was like, okay, she called and told me I didn't get it. And then she told me I didn't get it. And I was like, okay, fine. And I was a little bit sad. Um, I was surprised probably the most like initially. And then I was sad. And then I also remembered though, what they say about soaps often is that they come back around. Like they, they see, cause I've been reading soap digest forever and, and, um, so thank was, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was like, you know what, I, if, if it'll probably come back around in some way, maybe it won't, but it's, I know it's much different than when you audition for other things, um, in that way. So, um, so yeah, I, I was disappointed. And then, uh, right before, right before I had gotten the, right before they reached out for me to audition again I remember thinking about it because I had this I had a bad feeling about something and I didn't know if I wanted to do it or not and then I said you know my intuition is usually pretty good and then I thought I was like but the last time I was really sure about something it was that I was going to book days and I didn't book days so maybe my there's something going on with me and my intuition right now where we're off and then uh, so I had just literally had that thought and then two days later was when they reached out and so I was like, okay, I guess I wasn't wrong. It was just delayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking uh, casting Chanel in Johnny's movie as Celeste might have had like other layers to it here. <laughs> right. um, well, before too long, the part did require a recast when Precious Way exited. But by that time, you were in New York shooting The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the award-winning Amazon Prime series where you're currently streaming and doing an amazing job in the role of Tilly. So tell us about the experience of shooting that show. I mean, your costumes are amazing. The sets are spectacular. It must have been just such a production. Yes, it really was. I am, and th this is another one of those things where I was watching, uh, I think it's called Sylvie's Love. It was the movie, the Amazon Prime movie. 
um, with Tessa Thompson for She's in the 60s. I was watching that probably the week before and I was like, what a dream. I am a cinephile, love old movies. I'm obsessed. My favorite movie is Wuthering Heights. Like, I, I love all the old movies. I have, I still have DVDs. I have VHSs, mm-hmm. um, you know. And um, so I watched this movie, and I always just think, <laughs> I wish I was acting at that time. And so I was watching her in that movie and I was like, what a dream to do a role like that and be in that time and, and everything. And then when I got the audition for Maisel and I, it, my character was a burlesque dancer and I was like, the fact that I own all these items, <laughs> I have the bras, I have the hair, <laughs> everything I was like, is it's kind of, it's a little scary, but also um, kind of great. So, but it's because I've done a lot of theater out here. And, um, and so I had everything and I did the audition. And then I, a few weeks later was headed to New York and, when that was, it was a little, the challenge was COVID and this was the beginning of kind of sets reopening and figuring out how to do things. And so there was a lot of delays in that regard, but I, so I ended up spending quite a bit more time in New York than I expected to. While you're filming that project, Days uh, wants you to audition for Chanel again. And by a very whirlwind process, you uh, ended up becoming Chanel. And because her story had already kicked off, you really came in and had to hit the ground running to say the least with some heavy hitting uh, scene partners and emotional uh, story. I remember us feeling, and I think that the fans certainly agreed that you like were so impressive from the start. Like it's such a sink or swim genre and you could swim. Uh, So what do you remember about your first day? Not much. (laughs) I remember going in. I remember, I remember coming in for my very, very first scene and seeing, um, not being introduced to anyone uh, and just standing at the door. I had to enter and um, I had to enter crying and go into uh, Allie's arms. And that was how I met her. (laughs) And then afterwards we said hello. And then uh, they were like, oh, sorry, you didn't meet. And we're like, no. Um, (laughs) And then uh, we we shot those scenes. We had, so in that day I cried in her arms, kissed her. um, And then later in that day, I kissed Theo and I uh, did scenes with Jack A, met her. Um, it, it was just, I just remember it didn't stop. I was getting dressed up, like I was getting dressed in the behind the sets because I had to change so quickly from one thing to the next. And it just was, it just, did, it was like the day, it was like running around in a circle. <laughs> well, you did a great job. Now your mom on the show, no big deal, is Emmy winner and general icon, Jack Hay Harry. So were you nervous to meet her or much less play her daughter? Yes, I was. I really was. I couldn't believe that at all. Because even when I saw when the role came out and I saw that um, that Precious was playing her daughter, I was like, dang, I could have been Jackie's daughter. You know, so I was a little jealous there. But <laughs> <laughs> so then when I when it was going to be me, I was I was definitely really excited about that. Love, sister, sister, you know, 227. So um so I was, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised and excited to say the least. And then when, when I came there, just how she treated me, it was, it was just great. It was, it was really great. And it's been so great to work with her as well. Well, Chanel was and is unique on the Salem scene because she is sexually fluid. So how did you feel about playing that aspect of her identity when you first learned about it? I was really excited about it. That was the one thing that had changed from when I had uh, tested for it, that that wasn't a part of the character. Um, so I think it evolved uh, from, from that. And so I, they, I remember they kept asking me, was I okay with that? Was I okay with that? And I, I was kind of confused why they were making such a big deal about it. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, it didn't, it didn't really hit me in it being like a big, huge deal. But then um, once I started thinking about it more, uh, I thought, you know, I'm really happy to be able to 
to to do this on you know in Salem and on Days because Days is first of all an iconic show and nothing like this has been done on Days yet or had been done on Days yet and so to be able to and then also I know what a what a range of audience that that this reaches and even though it's like oh it seems so like oh yeah get it got it modern whatever it's not, not everybody is comfortable with it and so to be able to place it in the homes of people who maybe it makes them a little uncomfortable is really um, an honor and a privilege because I feel like it's necessary. I feel like inclusion is mandatory. Uh, and I feel like, you know, if this is something that you, that still makes you uncomfortable as artists, I feel like it, it's our responsibility to, to show all walks of life and to, you know, give voice to the voiceless uh, and, and to open, it's like, okay, if you already love days, but you feel weird about, you know, uh, sexually fluid people, but then you're already watching and then you, you don't fast forward, <laughs> you know, and you, and you see this character and then, if you develop kind of an affinity there, then I feel like it maybe opens your heart or your mind to someone in the street that you see, you know? So I, I, I am very excited about, or I'm very honored to be able to, to play Chanel because, because of this. And I feel like, um, yeah, I just, I, it, it's really important. It absolutely is. And you've done a great job doing it. Um, now, on a lighter note, Chanel um, is the proprietress of Salem's Best and Possibly Only Bakery, Sweet Bits. So were you excited walking into that set for the first time? And what's it been like for that to be your on-screen job? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I read a lot of the comments and everybody's like, we want to see the inside of the bakery. <laughs> so do I. Right, true, true. You, you do a lot of business outside in, in, uh, in uh, Horton Town Square. I, I've also seen a lot of Twitter comments about who's um, working at the bakery <laughs> when uh, Ali and Chanel are, are both not. Yeah, and or like, why is Chanel in, in heels and a <laughs> dress while she's baking? Um, <laughs> oh, we quibble. Yes, yes. But I do, I do love that, uh, that she's business owner, you know, and that, and I love that, you know, we, we do have real, uh, pastries out there that I really eat and real life. And (laughs) whenever we do those scenes, I'm like, okay, let me take a couple of those. Um, but yeah, I, I do when I remember going on the first time and even like the storefront, that that stuff always impresses me. I, I love movie magic, you know, so seeing the, seeing town square in real life and having the little storefront and all that. I, I love it. I love it. Well, your character has played a fairly central role in the possession storyline as she tied the knot with Johnny who became possessed and dumped her in spectacular devilish fashion. So what has it been like to take part in the devil saga? Oh, um, well, <laughs> uh, that, that was very, well, first of all, I know what a big deal it was when it was done back in the day. And so for it to be coming back and to be able to participate in, you know, the retelling in a sense of that storyline uh, has also been one of those things that's felt very iconic. And uh, working with Marlena, Idra Hall, as, as, I, as I got to do in the storyline, I got to be it was a way for Chanel to be intertwined with a lot of the characters on the show and uh, develop relationships with them, which was, uh, which was probably my favorite thing about it. And then also it felt while we were shooting all that stuff, it kind of felt like we got to be in a scary movie in a way, which is one of the cool things about being on a soap is you never know what genre you're going to be in today. It might feel like a comedy tomorrow. It's a tragedy. The next day it's a horror film. You know, <laughs> very true. Yeah. So that was probably the, one of the 
really cool things about it was I was like, okay, now, now I feel confident to go do a horror movie. <laughs> you probably could. Um, they were also mean to me though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really were. Which was, um, <laughs> I just kept going to work and crying every day. I was crying. <laughs> now, how would you feel about Chanel being possessed? Like, are you jealous that you haven't gotten a turn to put the glowing contacts in? Yes, mm-hmm. I really am. Cause we thought that that was where that, where it was going. At the very beginning, we thought that, uh, I remember Carson was like, I think you're going to be possessed by the devil. And he said that before he found out he was going to be the one possessed. But <laughs> I had a line where I said, I feel like the devil's coming for me or something. And, it, and it's interesting how it played out because the devil did come for me, but it was it was in a different way than, than we expected it. Uh, so on, 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 the, on the love life front, obviously things not going great with Johnny at the moment, but Chanel and Allie became lovers and not too long ago and seem, you know, to be moving their relationship in a more serious direction. So what, what's your take on the feelings that uh, Chanel has for both Allie and for Johnny? Well, there's this quote that uh, my acting coach, she always says it, and I think she got it from her acting coach. But it's feelings buried alive never die. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that is the perfect description of what's this dynamic. So it's like, you know, there's no real resolution to what happened with Johnny or why it happened. It was just out of nowhere. And so no healing has been done there and uh, or rationalization, like nothing really. It's just like, he dumped her and like out of the blue. And then, you know, but she always also had feelings for Allie that she never really got to explore. And so those were also feelings buried alive. So there's just like all these feelings that Chanel has been trying to bury, but it's just so um, difficult because they're in her face every day. And, you know, um, and she's very impulsive. (laughs) So it's just, uh, she's, she's dealing with all that and it's going to kind of, you know, you know, you know, so it's going to, it's going to keep going and we're going to go here or there or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's, but it's fun to do. Mm -hmm. Well, you've certainly got to check a lot of soap opera boxes, if you will, so far in your short run. But is there anything that for you personally, you would like to see happen with Chanel or that you would like to see them explore with her? Because I feel like her backstory is such a blank canvas. You know, there's so much opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I want a rival. I want a real rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want somebody to do bad things to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you want to be the perpetrator, noted. Okay. <laughs> yes, because I keep getting perpetrated against. <laughs> but um, but yes, I do. Um, that that's the thing that I that I want for for Chanel because I feel like yeah, it's like everything that's happened, most of the drama has come from, well, one was like not knowing about the twins or that they were twins and then getting into that mess. And then, um, but then it was like everything else has been the devil. The devil has been the cause of, so I just want like some real soapy drama, you know, I want to hate somebody, you know, backstab them, do some of that. Real soap stuff. I like it. I really want to hit someone like, I really want to slap someone. <laughs> I feel like that has a good chance of happening. I feel like they're a little slap happy in Salem. <laughs> well, we certainly wish that for you and so much more. Um, and, you know, you're so much fun to watch on the show. I think the character is a breath of fresh air and you bring such uh, wit and confidence uh, to the portrayal. It was interesting to hear you talk about how you had uh, battled with that earlier in your career because I don't see any evidence of that in, in, in your work on days. And we certainly look forward to the drama and the slaps that hopefully lie ahead for Chanel. But before we let you go, is there anything you would like to say directly to the fans who have embraced your delightful presence in Salem? Thank you for embracing me. I know that y'all are tough and I know you don't love a recast. (laughs) Um, So thank you for embracing me and accepting me into this world. And I am having a blast. Yeah, I, I just I just hope to keep keep having fun. Chances are you will. Um, and we thank you so much for all your time and sharing all your stories with us and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Raven Bowens for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.